Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. No one to talk podcast. I'm your host, Shaman. Back again after like a, a week hiatus. I know y'all probably trying to figure out where the hell I was at. Don't you worry about that because I'm back here for you. So let's do this. Today, I will be joined by CJ Plain. CJ's done 10 years plus in live radio. Uh, he does his own podcast now, uh, The Noise Report. Check that out. Um, we're going to probably go all over the place with this one. It's going to be like some of my solo podcasts, but now it's going to be in like another voice. So it won't sound as crazy as usual with no further introduction. CJ, how you doing today, man? I am awesome, bro. Uh, I am alive, which beats the hell out of the alternative and, uh, <laughs> you know, hell yeah! It's always good waking up on this side of the dirt. <laughs> you, you better believe that. So, like, all right. So, this is is kind of a thing for you. So, you've done you know actual terrestrial radio, and then now yeah. you're moving to this digital thing, which is podcast. And it's like everyone and their mom's got a podcast. That's why you're here on the No Room Talk podcast, listening to me, people. Um, yeah. So, what's that like? The the move you've seen from terrestrial to that digital format. Um, I started out many, many moons ago, uh, doing college radio. I had a punk show out in Oakland and, nice. um, got into trouble because on terrestrial radio, you know, you can't say swear words. And of course, punk is pretty much based around that. So, um, I lasted about two weeks on college radio before the, <laughs> Program director said, yeah, you can't say that on radio. And, of course, I said it on radio and got fired. So um, I, uh, I have a degree in journalism, so I kind of went into that for a while. And then a buddy had an Internet radio show, and I would call in and just make jokes and talk trash and uh, kind of do what Larry the Cable Guy did starting out. And he showed up at my house one day with his big box and said, here, and you know, it's Behringer podcasting kit. Um, how am I supposed to do with this? He's like, you're going to create a radio show. And I was like, um, okay, no idea how to do it, but I did it. And I was off and running doing internet radio. And eventually I got tired of putting so much work into live radio because um, people don't realize when you do live radio and you do it by yourself, you have to make your own playlist. You have to schedule your own interviews. You have to do the interviews. You have to edit. You have to find music. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job that you don't get paid for. Oh yeah. I can only imagine how much you got to go so, into. Um, finally podcasting started picking up and I said, you know, this is a lot easier. I don't have to play music necessarily. I can talk. I've always been, I had a knack for finding music and that's how I got my nickname, the music God. I have about 1.7 million songs uh, on my computer of every genre. Jeez. So um, 
it doesn't matter what you want to talk about. Want to talk about Vinny Paz and and De La Soul? Got you covered. You want to talk about Bob Marley and Buju Bantan? I can talk about that. You want to talk about Slayer and Creator? All day long, Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson. <laughs> I can do that, you know. So, um, you want to talk about Bobby Brown and you want to discuss Boys to Men versus New Edition? I can do that. So, um, you know, so that's when people say, or, or when you hear the term the music god, that's where it comes from. Is I have this completely asinine knowledge of music that, um, you know, <laughs> and that's and that's crazy thing. Like I've like I've known like a few people like yourself that just have this encyclopedia of music, and yeah. and, and and I lo- like myself. I love music, and I've mm-hmm. always found myself as loving good music. Um, yes. So I can listen to anything. It's like as long as it's good music, I'll listen to it. So you know, um, exactly. it doesn't matter to me. Like I've been like on this really big Doors kick here lately. Like okay. you know, some Jim Morrison and and, and yep. that. And I and that's one of the things that people, I think they find themselves putting themselves in that box when they start listening to stuff like, oh, I can only listen to this um, because that. the people around me only listen to this. Like, nah, get out of that mold. Start listening to like some real music, and I do yeah, mean real I music. It. I hate it. And I, another thing for you hip hop heads out there, start actually looking at to some of the samples of, of some of the hip hop songs that you like mm-hmm. really enjoy. Because you'll find out a lot of them, like, old school, you know, blues bands, uh, rock bands from the 60s and 70s. You know, they've just taken these tracks and, like, looped them and slowed them down, you know, changed the tempo of them. But if you actually listen to those songs, they're great. Yeah, and not even just sampling, per se. There are hip-hop acts out there that have uh, the coup uh, out of Oakland, for example, have always been a live band aside from being – you know, hip hop artists that have incorporated funk and rock into what they do. You have the Beastie Boys who started as a punk band and evolved into hip hop. You have uh, uh, Necro and Ill Bill brothers who yeah. started in hardcore music and evolved. You have Post Malone who started in a metal band and has now evolved into. Well, whatever the hell it is that Post Malone does. Nobody knows um, what Post Malone does. <laughs> people call it hip-hop, but I've never heard him actually say a rhyme or a bar. No, I would never really – I've never really classified Post Malone as, like, a like a true hip-hop artist. I yeah. think he's he's been able to, like, slide in that lane. Uh, yeah. I think I think people want to put him in that place because of um, White Iverson. I think that was There's, like the track to really like. Okay, yeah. we're gonna put There's him in a that hip hop. Yeah, like Roddy Rich, for example, uh, Moray, uh, TQ, all of who I love. <clears throat> they're not hip hop artists. They're R and B artists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. I love Moray. Moray, I think, is one of the new, truly talented artists. But he's not a hip hop artist. He's a singer. Yeah. So he's an R and B artist. He does what he does a modern day version of what TQ did back when he did West Side. Okay. You know? And you know, TQ is still around. You have Iman, you know, yeah. fuck what you heard. It doesn't mean shit. Same thing. It's it's not hip hop, it's singing, you know. So I'm not like I said, I'm not taking anything away from them. I love them to death. I love these guys and I love what they do. 
but it's not hip hop to me. Hip hop to me is the ability to spit bars. Okay. And do it well. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you, like for me, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Like, yeah. Um, I, I think as of late, like producers have kind of like stepped into the forefront of a lot of music. So it's not so much now is who is the artist is like, who made that track, you know, that people go for, for me growing up, you know, um, Nas lyrics, um, you know, I listened to Tupac lyrics, uh, black thought lyrics, you know, those are dudes like got bars for days. My favorite, um, hip hop artist of all time, uh, was Sean Price. Um, I love Sean Price because, he his, his wordplay and his punchlines, and, and that's yep. another thing that like takes hip hop to a uh, to a different level for me is being able to tell a story but also interject that humor into the lines. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That and, and that is something that you know in my top ten. I just did a. I just I actually have a second podcast now. Uh, by the way, um, it's called the Hitch List. And we do top 10 lists, um, very, very random shit. Some of it is pretty normal, but some of it is, um, funny shit. Like we have an upcoming one and it's going to be the 10 greatest white rappers, not named Eminem. Um, <laughs> because, you know, automatically, if you do the top 10, you know, all time white rappers, everybody's going to put Eminem at number one. And, Em <laughs> is not the greatest white rapper. He's not the greatest of all time. Truth be told, M's not even the greatest in Detroit. Okay. Oh, shots. <laughs> so I'll say it all, all day long. Roy the five nine is a far superior all around rapper than Eminem is. Yeah. Trick is a better rapper than Eminem is. Aztec the Barfly, Fat Father. I, I can name a dozen Detroit rappers that I think are superior artists. Right, so- I'm going to say this. This is an unpopular opinion. I've said it. I've gotten so much hate mail. Take away Dre. Take away Proof. Eminem is just cannabis with better song structure. <laughs> Wow. Take away Drake's production. Take away Proof's cosign. And Eminem is just cannabis. He's white cannabis. Okay. Says outrageous shit. Uses big words. Rhymes really fast over stuff, but most of the time trips over his own tongue. Wow. And it's funny because cannabis and M hate each other, but they're essentially the same rapper. Oh, <laughs> damn. Know? That's crazy. Because like, like to me, honestly, for me is, and I, again, I don't know many Detroit rappers. So before right. I get into this, what do you, what was it? Do you think it was just this perfect storm that M caught on at the time? Because I personally, I right think. Right place, right time. That's like what you kind of think right it is. Right place, right time, period. M, when M did Infinite, okay? Infinite, if you've ever listened to Infinite, that was M tripping over his dick trying to be Nas. 
Oh, okay. Shit. Period. Now, M was a cook at McDonald's. I managed a record store at that time in Detroit. M would come in. He would bring copies of Infinite. We couldn't give the fucking things away. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit about M. Nobody. Okay. These things sat on the shelf, took up space, but okay. <laughs> Dre happened to be, bam, he heard M. He put M on. And that was it. It was the white rapper who was going to change the game. Okay. There were white rappers before him, Everlast. Oh, you yeah. Know, Everlast, when Everlast started, was on Ice T's label. He was on Syndicate Records. I got the knack. Yeah. Okay. You had um, the Beasties before him. You had Third Base. Um, third Base, MC Search. Yeah. Okay. So there were white rappers before it. M happened to catch the ear of Dre and he said outrageous shit. That's what made him. He said outrageous shit. That's... Okay, and white people, white people put M on because y'all, and when I say y'all, I'm, I'm saying black people, if cannabis would have come out and said the shit that M said, if Snoop would have come out and said the shit that M said, if Exhibit would have come out and said the crazy shit that M said, y'all would have looked at them like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Ain't a lot because a lot of people like, Truth be told, like people are like will will ride for M now, but people like black black people really won't rocking with M when at, at at his highest because the stuff he was kicking was angsty white boy shit, right? You know that's like how much like the shit he was saying about his mother. Like I don't know a sane black man that would come out and say the type of shit that M was saying about his mother and and being. Is it is outland like we'll say outland like rappers at the time were already saying controversial things, but right. these were some Jerry Springer controversial type yeah. things because it was and you know stories from is? the trailer park. And you know why that is? Why is that? Because a black mama knocked the shit out of her. <laughs> a white mama gonna be scared of her kid. A black mama, she gonna pick that motherfucking broom up and she gonna <laughs> ride that motherfucker upside your head. Period. Yo, my I know. Put up with that shit. Yo, real, real talk. Like that's what, my, like my, like to this day, I'm scared of my mom. So people exactly. know that that shit. Look, <laughs> look, I'll tell you right now. I'm a white dude. I grew up on a 400 acre, 50 farm. My dad is a truck driver. At 15 years old, I got put into foster care. Now I was in a couple foster homes, but the fourth foster home I was in, they put me on the north side of Flint. Okay told me you were going to attend Flint Northwestern. Now, I don't know if anybody that listens to you is from Flint, knows anything about Flint, has family in Flint, but let me tell you, when I walked into that school, the entire school stopped and looked at me like I'd lost my mind. I was the only white kid in the entire school. This is a school that Andre Risen went to. Uh, this is the school that Glenn Rice, the basketball player, went to. That's right, um, yeah. That's the north side of Flint is the one of the most dangerous places that you can visit. 
The McDonald's across the street from Flint Northwestern is so bad it has bulletproof glass. Damn. You walk into a party store, you put your shit in the drawer and you put it through and then they lose a little turntable shit to give you your shit. That's what the McDonald's across from that high school is like. Damn. You know, so we're not talking. <laughs> I, I was a fish out of water. Yeah, but yeah. I learned more in the six months I was in that school than I ever learned anyplace else. My history teacher, who discovered I had a love of history, handed me a book and said, you need to read this book. And it was the autobiography of Malcolm X. And it changed my life because I had never been exposed to that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I am thankful for that because when you live in a fishbowl, and you're only exposed to what's inside that fishbowl, that's where we get a lot of these people now with the political views they have, with the attitudes they have, with the racism you experience. These aren't people that are truly hateful. These are people that have simply not been exposed to anything outside of their fishbowl. Right. They see cops. They see the first 48. They see CNN. And they think, oh, that's what all black people are like. And unless you step out of that fishbowl and meet people like this teacher, you'll never experience anything outside of that. You'll never learn different because you're not exposed to it. And it's when you're exposed to it that you become something different. Kevin Gates, perfect example. When you look at Kevin Gates, what do you see? You see the face tattoos. You see the thug in Kevin. But Kevin opens his mouth, man. Kevin's a smart dude. You know, oh, Kevin yeah. will blow your mind with the shit that he comes off with. And you look at Kevin Gates, and you don't think Kevin is going to come off with some of the shit that Kevin comes off with. But when he says it, you're like, damn, that's a smart dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... No, that's real. A lot of times that happens because, like you said, yeah. people are comfortable just staying inside their little echo chambers mm -hmm. and just, you know, repeating the same information yeah. that's been regurgitated to them over and over and over again. Right. And you don't realize that's really programming because you've never actually thought for yourself. Yeah. You know, you never had entertained an idea outside of your own. Yeah, and I'm absolutely guilty of it. I grew up around truckers who told racist jokes. My grandfather, you know, all of that. I, I, I grew up in the whitest existence, you know. <laughs> we couldn't watch the Cosby show because that was the N-word show. You know, we watched the Dukes of Hazard instead. But again, when I went there and I got outside of that echo chamber, when I got outside of that bubble, I discovered everything that I'd been told was wrong. Everything was not what the media showed you. It wasn't what the TV showed you. It wasn't that there were people that truly cared of every race and every religion that they would sick up for you and stand up for you. And they would educate you and, and, you know, some of the greatest characters I ever met were during that time. You know, so I'm thankful 
that I got. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that would say they were thankful for being in foster care. I am thankful I was in foster care because it exposed me to something other than that. Because had I not gone to foster care, I'd be one of these white rednecks you probably hear on Fox News talking dumb shit because I would have never been outside of that chamber to learn more. So how old were you when you actually went into the foster care system? I had just turned 15. And what was that like for you? Like you said it like the school stopped, but what was that like for you going into that environment? Um, you know, it didn't bother me at first because I had a stepmom who um, she had a hard time keeping her hands to herself. And I put up with it for many, many years. I mean, this started when I was six or seven years old and continued until one day I just said, I've had enough. And she picked up a frying pan and tried to hit me with it. And I picked up the first thing that I could pick up, which happened to be one of them old school wiffle ball bats about this big around. And I whipped her ass like I was bam, bam from the Flintstones and neighbor called the police. I ended up in foster care and wasn't nothing you could do at that point. Um, it was the moving around um, because I was such, I was an asshole. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I was loud. I was rambunctious. I was too smart for my own good. I could read 700 words a minute. You know, I have a one, I have a 158 IQ. So at the end of the day, I was too damn smart and I like to get in trouble cause I was bored and I like to embarrass people and just do silly things. And 99% of the trouble I got into, it was my own fault. You know, um, if a teacher, I remember a specific incident. Um, I had a book growing up called everything your history teacher taught you was a lie. And it was all of the stuff in history that uh, we were taught that were half truths. And when they showed us the miracle worker film about Helen Keller, oh, here's the cute little blind girl that grows up and learns to read and write. But what they don't tell you that Helen Keller actually grew up to be a communist who wanted to overthrow the U.S. government. <laughs> so I would bring that up. And then, of course, the teacher would lose their mind because I said the C word. In the 80s, <laughs> communist was a bad word. Um, so it would disrupt the class, and I would end up in the hallway or in the office, and I was that kid. So, um, yeah, I got bounced around from foster home to foster home to foster home because the foster parents would get sick of me being disruptive, basically. Um I didn't fight with people so much as I was just arrogant right. and I didn't see it at the time, but yeah, I was, I was obnoxious as hell, man. Like, <laughs> you know? now, I can only imagine the kind of like feelings that would have brought up. Cause you're saying you're like, you're, you're, you went from foster home to foster home. Did you ever have that sense of like not being wanted? You know what I mean? Like, you know, 
I didn't really have that so much because I always felt that dad being a truck driver, dad was gone the majority of the time. Okay. My stepmom, I never got along with. So I've always felt kind of unwanted or uncomfortable at home. Um, so it was pretty normal. Like being in a foster home was kind of like living at home. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm in this house. I'm not really wanted here, but somebody's getting paid for me to be here. Right. That was always my mentality. It was somebody's getting paid for me to be here, be it my stepmom or be it my foster mom or whatever. Um, it wasn't towards the end of my foster care. I got, you know, my final foster family. Um, they were the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Um, when I got put in their home, when I met them, she was 73 years old. He was 78 years old. And my first thought was, hell are these old people foster parents <laughs> come to find out they've been foster parents for 55 years and they'd had over 180 foster kids over those years wow. and i was like wow that's dedication on a level that you just simply don't see yeah. you know um to take 180 plus children into your home yeah, is that- crazy that, that's amazing. And yeah. Now over a hundred of those kids that they had taken in had had disabilities of some kind. So it was a whole different level. And, um, I come to discover these were truly kind, caring people who that was their mission in life is to care for kids and children. And, um, they changed my trajectory, you know, by teaching me, life skills that I simply hadn't bothered <laughs> to pay attention to. I'd learned them. I just didn't pay attention to them. I, I didn't care. Um, but it was meeting them that I realized that I could do more than just cause chaos and be a smart ass and embarrass people with my knowledge of things. You know, I could do more than just use big words to make people look stupid. Um, mm-hmm. And they they definitely saved me from myself. (laughs) Now now growing and finding these people that, that you found to be very special in your life, were you able to, I don't know, have come to some resolution like with your father? I, I have spoken to my father three times in 35 years. Um, my dad is still a truck driver. Uh, he is in year number 52 uh, <laughs> of driving semi. <laughs> Lifer. Uh, he, it's the only job my dad has ever had. Um, when he was 18 years old, he became a truck driver. Uh, he is now 70 years old and, um, you know, he still doing it. So he's never going to retire. He'll drive that truck until they force him out of that truck. And then <laughs> he'll probably die the next day out of sheer boredom. Um, and um, I, I've tried to work things out with my dad, but my dad is my dad. I love him. I respect him because he is my father, but, He's, he's a man of few words. Um, 
my dad is the guy that will sit at the dinner table for two hours and he might say three words the entire time. Um, you know, he, this is who he is. I think it comes from 50 years of being in a truck by himself for 24 hours a day. So, um, I don't know, but no, (laughs) I don't have a lot of closure with my dad. Um, I, my dad has said, I love you one time in my life. So, um, you know, that's the relationship I have with my dad. I'm not mad about it. It is what it is. Right. It is one of those things that look, when I was younger, it bothered me as I got older and I had my own kids. You just kind of move on and, you know, look, you can let it bother you and occupy space in your head and take away from your life. Or you can just simply let it go and say, you know what? I got bigger and better things to do with my life and I'm not going to let this take up negative space in my head. And that's kind of where I came a long time ago. I've got my own kids. I'm, Um, you know, I'm not going to do what my dad did. (laughs) And and that's like an awesome thing. Like you're able to, you know, even though that was put on you, you're not like perpetuating, you know, those same types uh, of things on your children. So I refuse. I've raised all three of my, I've raised three of my four sons. Um, I didn't get to raise the one because he lived in Florida with his mom. Um, but my nine-year-old, you know, right over here, uh, his mom and I are going through a divorce. I have custody. I'm raising him. And um, that's what it's about. If if I die tomorrow and I'm known for nothing else than being a great father, I consider that a life well lived. Um, because that's, to me, what life is about is me being a dad and what I have brung to the table for them to carry further down the road to their kids and their grandkids and whatnot. And, you know, um, life is about perpetuating, you know, you, you can either put good into the world or bad into the world. And I want them to put good into the world. There's enough negative out there. There's enough bad out there. I want them to do positive things, little things, you know, that most people take for granted. Um, If you're at a grocery store and you see the person in front of you, you know, is 32 cents short. Oh, hey, let me run out to my car and grab it. Give them the 32 cents so they don't have to walk to the car and come back. 32 cents angle make that big of a damn difference in your day. You save time, you do a good deed and it's 32 cents, you know, that may not mean shit to you, but it might mean everything for them. It might change the whole trajectory of their day, you know, because nobody has said a positive thing to them. Maybe nobody's done good for them, whatever little things count, you know? So, Absolutely. And that's, and that's one thing people don't realize it's the little things, small things you can do. You don't, Yeah, we all always want to look at like the end goal thing of it. It's like, Oh, I want to change mm-hmm. the entire world, change the direction of somebody's day 
and yes. create that ripple effect. And that's how you change the world. You don't change the world by yourself. You don't change yeah. it overnight. It comes everybody through wants multiple to, actions. I, I say it like this. Everybody wants to change the world. Well, start by changing your neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. How many people, how many people on your street do you know? Cause I can let you know, I know every single one of my neighbors by name. That's good. Cause I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. And it's, I'm not saying everybody can do that. Right. But I'm saying I'm fortunate enough. I know every one of my neighbor's name. And if I'm in the house and I'm doing nothing and I see the lady across the street, she has an adult son who, uh, he has down syndrome. And she's an older lady. She's in her seventies. If I see her outside and she's struggling with the lawn or she's struggling to trim the branches on her tree, whatever, I get my ass up and I go out there and I help because what am I doing other than sitting here doing stuff like this? (laughs) (laughs) I got time. Yeah. There's no reason that I can't do it. And I want my kids to do it. And you know, they always did my older ones. I made them go out and do it. I made them volunteer at the homeless shelter. I made them work with big brothers and big sisters because I want them to understand that. No, we're not rich. No, I don't have a ton of money in a bank. In fact, I probably have a negative bank account, but what I have, I have a roof over my head. I have more food and there's nobody in my house ever starves. I have heat. I have water. I have a yard to play in that is already 85% ahead of the curve of most people. So, Hey, that's the thing. Like you said, like you just have like the necessities. Everybody wants like all the big, you know, glitzy things. That's just cool. I like nice stuff, but you know, if you just have like the basic necessities, that's really all anybody really needs. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't have them, bro. No, not That's at all. You know, no. Like I, the thing is, people don't realize. Like even even those of us out here who have it bad, and trust me, if you're listening to this, you don't really have it that bad. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> because there's somebody out there thousand dollar cell phone problem. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you don't have it that bad. But there's somebody like there are people out here who are really really struggling. So just always remember yeah. that. That's why I say like you can. You can find the strength to move forward and do something when you truly realize, like, your problems. And I'm not here to discredit anybody's problems because I don't know anybody's life and what you're actually going through. But if you those, we all know those problems that we have. Like, uh, yeah. I, I got to take the parking spot all the way at the end of the driveway. Um, you know, this person may have cut me off on the road. Those, those are minor problems. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people have, like, life and death situations. Like, do we eat or do we stay warm tonight? Like, that's yeah. like a real question for you. Like, figure mm-hmm. that out. You know, you know, not even just tonight. This is like every night for some people. Like, this is the decision that they have to make. So, yeah, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, dude. Look, here's the thing with me. I am not. How do I say this nicely? Um, I would never begrudge anybody being wealthy, being successful. I celebrate that. Um, but I think it comes with great responsibility. Now, I will never advocate for taking somebody's wealth, ever. I don't believe that billionaires should be taxed at a higher rate, yada, yada, yada. 
what I believe is morally as a human being. If you make $15 billion a year, you should want to use that for good. I couldn't go to sleep. If I won the lottery, heaven forbid, you know, if I won the lottery and won $100 million, I could not go to sleep at night knowing that I had a friend who was struggling to pay a light bill, who was struggling to make a car payment, who was struggling. You wouldn't have to ask me. I'm going to do it automatically because I can't go to sleep at night knowing I got $100 million in the bank and I got a friend over here working 55 hours a week struggling to put a roof over their kids' head. Yeah, I couldn't do it. That's the thing. Like, um, I'll, You always see this. Like, we always see this. Um, mm-hmm. We have so many organizations that are out here every year, especially now because like we're in the holiday season, and that's when people do feel more giving. Uh, you know, these St. Jude hospitals and things like that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. March of Dimes, all these places are asking for donations, and they always say, okay, we got a donation in the millions. We have individuals out there whose wealth is in the billions. That's right, yeah. with a B, where to the right. fact that you remove $1 billion from that billion, they don't even feel it. So, well, there's a thing. Look, Bill Gates, for example, this drives me crazy about Bill Gates. Everybody talks about all the charitable work that Bill Gates does. Bill Gates gives 3.6% of his wealth, 3.6% of Bill Gates' wealth. Okay, break that down by numbers. Okay, 3.6% of what Bill Gates makes in a year. The guy makes $18 billion a year. So 3.6% of that, okay, is still leaving him well over 10 or $12 billion a year. Oh, poor Bill. How are you going to survive with $12 billion a year? Okay, motherfucker, if you are making $18 billion a year, you could give $10 billion of that shit to charity and still be just fine, okay? So, I'm, again, I'm not going to sit here and say they should have to do it. I'm saying morally as a person, you should want to do it. Yes. You want to solve hunger? Don't just it about it. Do it. You do should. It. You know, Elon Musk, I give this guy all the credit in the world. Hey, we can solve hunger with this much money. And Elon, Elon said, show me the math. I'll make it happen. They showed Elon the math and Elon is currently selling most of his stocks to make it happen. Now let's see if they put up or shut up when he gives them the money, if they can actually make it work or if it's just another giant governmental cluster where they end up wasting most of Elon's money. Exactly. You know, so and that's, that's the other thing. Look, you can, anything governmental, it's just pouring money down a hole. Yeah. And, and don't, I don't care if you're red conservative or blue Democrat. I'm telling you from standing in the middle of the highway, both parties are screwed. Both parties are wasting their money. Both parties are blowing smoke up your ass, <laughs> and both parties don't give a shit about you. And it, breaking it down again. No, I, don't I, change the world. Change your neighborhood, okay? Yeah. Charity. Start, you, you, your grandma probably told you charity starts at home. 
Absolutely. God helps the child who helps himself. You know, and this is the thing, like, um, I just had this conversation the other day, and you just look at it. So we went through COVID. Um, there are plenty of mom and pops companies gone, startups gone, uh, mm-hmm. people unemployed. The middle class and the lower middle class decimated. has been decimated. Exactly, That's exactly the word I was going for. But for some reason, the fat got fatter. Yep. How is that possible? In one of the leanest times, because every company was telling you, hey, we got rough times ahead. Well, but I still got to get this bonus out. Crazy, what drove me crazy was that exact thing. I couldn't go down the street to Pisano's Pizza and get a pizza. But I could go to Domino's or Little Caesars. <laughs> I couldn't go to Aldi's to get hamburger. But I could go to Walmart. Oh, yeah. Essential. Now, I couldn't go to Hobby Lobby to get my model paint. I love putting models together. Couldn't go to Hobby Lobby. Oh, you might spread COVID. Oh, but you're not spreading it at Walmart or Kroger <laughs> or Domino's or Little Caesars? What... Where is the common sense in that thinking, okay? You have less likelihood of spreading it in a small local pizza shop than you do at Domino's when you have 20 drivers coming in and out, making hundreds of deliveries a night. Exactly. Okay, period. (laughs) These stupid shields they put up. Oh, let's put a big plastic thing up. Oh, but everything around the goddamn shield is still wide open. Oh, gee, COVID is so intelligent. It knows, oh, well, don't touch the glass barrier. Oh, and let's not go around the glass barrier. Yeah, like, it, a lot a lot of the men, a lot of things that we're doing, it's all performative, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's really blowing smoke up our ass, period. It's the greatest thing. That my eyes are open to the shit that goes down on Capitol Hill, um, uh-huh. because it's just a lot of pandering. They're only That's here to get your vote. Once I've got your vote, you yep. are useless to me. Once yep. I get the power, I'm I'm done with you. And this happens on red side, blue side. Yeah. The the people that we champion on the blue, guess what? They're still getting paid. The people they Look, champion on the red, guess what? The big dogs are still getting paid. Let me break this down. Let me get back to the hip-hop thing. Ice Cube, with his letter to America, took that letter to Trump. Trump sat down with him and he said, I will give you all of these things. What did Biden say? <laughs> we'll talk to you after the election. Yeah. After the election. Like it was a foregone Why conclusion. Why you got to do after the election? Exactly. Like you, you, know? got, you got time. You're just campaigning. You got time. I mean, I'm not saying, and I'm not, again, I'm not advocating for Trump, but I'm giving that man credit. He sat down with Ice Cube, and I give credit to Ice Cube, knowing where he stands politically, that he sat down with Trump, and they discussed it like human beings. Everything starts when you sit down and you discuss like human beings. Absolutely. I don't care where you come from. And here's the thing. I the the one thing that 
that Trump did. Like I, said, I, I, will, I don't agree with his views on a lot of, on almost right. anything, but the thing is, he became such a monster for liberal media groups that it is the foregone conclusion now. Like anything even remotely attached to him is toxic, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a boogeyman. Yeah, and it's a boogeyman now because people are you say things. It's like it's even ah the vaccines. The vaccines when they first were announced, it was when mm-hmm. Trump was in office. And the thing you all you heard from the left is, well, why would I take that? I'm not I'm not putting that in my arm. And as soon yeah. as Biden is in office, is hey we hey everybody, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, just a month. Pfizer is still making these, correct? Mm-hmm. Moderna is still making these, correct? Yeah. So what's different? Oh, it's the man in charge. That's what's different. That is the yeah. only difference. That is the yeah. only thing is whose message is louder now. Yeah. You know, and, and some of these same celebrities that hate Trump so much had no problem going on his TV show to get that 15 minutes of fame. Oh, here's the thing. People Trump has been who he is yeah. forever. Exactly. He's not new. This isn't new news. <laughs> Are you like, this, you know, if he was like fake news, this is new. This isn't new news. This is the news. Marilyn Manson. For example, Marilyn Manson. Let's talk about Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson, for example, all of these women are coming out now and they're making all of these allegations. And they're, oh, I can't believe Marilyn Manson did what he did. Really? Were you not looking at the same Marilyn Manson I was looking at? The guy pretty much was a musical fucking psychopath. Yes. Okay? What part... No, it's, it shocks you that Marilyn Manson would cr- would do some outrageous thing. No, it's okay with this cancel I mean, with with cancel culture that in in the world that we live in now, it's where who's the next one that we can take? Where is well, the yeah. wind blowing today? That's the thing. God forbid that anybody who ever holds any place in the world. And here's the thing again. I can know, like, I thought Marilyn Monster was a fucking sicko. So um, mm-hmm. that's the thing. But I'm just saying, even to any small discretion you may have made, and one thing people need to, again, remember, not condoning it, but mm-hmm. we did, we were from different times where things yeah. would be able to be taken as a joke. And you can't yeah. have that joke now. We are so <laughs> caught up on making people... Again, yeah. I don't want to be hurtful, but at the same time, I can take a joke. You know, like in and, and that's the thing, no one can laugh at themselves now. Everyone tries to take themselves well, so serious. It's even more than that, dude. Um Harvey Weinstein, for example. You know, everything with him, the Me Too movement. Now, I will I will precurse this with this. No woman should ever, ever be assaulted or made to do anything they don't want to do. So I do not condone anything that any of these men are accused of. But as a woman, already knowing that men are scumbags for the most part, okay, (laughs) 
If a man in power says to you, oh, you need to meet me in my hotel at 11 o'clock at night. Every fucking bell in your head should be going ding, 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 ding. Why are you meeting this man at 11 o'clock at night in his hotel room and then turning around and saying, God, I can't believe he raped me. Hello? Did you really think that he had good intentions inviting you to his hotel room at 11 o'clock? Who does business meetings after four? Exactly. (laughs) You know, so I'm not by any means. I am not condoning what Harvey did. I'm really not. And I feel horrible for these women, but they do have some blame in this. You simply say no. And see, and that's the thing. You should be able to say that, like say, Hey, Why didn't you think, like, did you run it by yeah. a friend? And But yeah. that's the thing. People and, are so on that hook for fame. like, And, and, and that's it. The women will make the argument, well, if I didn't do it, I won't get famous. Was being famous that important to you? Yeah. Is being famous more important than your body and your soul? Exactly. Like, what is it worth to you? you know, like, if you read the roll them dice? Yeah, Mike Pence. You know? The one thing, the one, one thing that I respect about Mike Pence. This is the singular one thing I respect about Mike Pence. That man will not hold a meeting or of any kind, business or otherwise, with a female unless his wife is in the room. Hey. <laughs> All right, it looks like he, hey, he needs some receipts. <laughs> what I'm saying. You have to be here. See this. What I'm saying. And I don't That's blame him. Saying. I don't blame him. Because he's because he's a Christian for whatever reason, he does not want any semblance of impropriety. And I respect the hell out of that. Because Absolutely. I'm telling you now, going through this divorce with what my soon to be ex has pulled, I'm at that point. I don't want to be alone with another female bro. <laughs> I don't trust him right now. Okay. <laughs> she made up some crazy shit. <laughs> Blindsided me in a way that I was like, wait, what? I did what? Oh, like, and that's and that's the thing. People, people, man, people will use anything against you. How? But the thing that you brought up with Harvey Weinstein, I'm gonna say one thing, and I hold on to this, and I will say it over and over. A lot of women came out. A lot of women. Mm -hmm. A lot of women who got on and became stars. One woman, Gwyneth Paltrow, has remained silent in all of this, Mm -hmm. and she can't really act. But she was a Weinstein darling. I will mm-hmm. leave that to the imagination. <laughs> I'm not going to be smirched that woman's name. I'm just saying. Think about it. Um, <laughs> Rose McGowan, the one who started the whole thing, they just threw her stuff out today because she did. she's not filing the correct paperwork. It's so important to her. She wants to make a big thing, but she can't even file the paperwork in a timely manner. How important is to you? (laughs) You're you're a millionaire. You got a lawyer. You can't file the correct paperwork on time to further a case that is life-changing and groundbreaking, and it's so important. You know you got lawyers on retainer. Come on, that should be clockwork. (laughs) Why are you not filing the paperwork? And then to hold a press, well, that judge didn't give me enough time. Been going on for five years. How much goddamn time do you need? You should have that shit 
You know, like you say, receipts, bro. Like, <laughs> you know. All right. Let me. All right. So we're staying in the realm of Hollywood because uh, this came out the the other day. So what? Um, I, I need to talk to somebody about this because it's been just ah. Uh, so Alec Baldwin and oh. the the shooting on his movie set. And yeah. now he did, he did the uh, the whole 2020, um, hey, I, I didn't pull the trigger. And I was like, bro, nobody is, like, saying it's your fault. Like, we're saying, you're yeah, you're negligent when having firearms and not being properly, you know, having them taken care of. And that's a whole thing that I want to touch on. But now you're trying to say, like, I didn't pull the trigger. The gun just went off magically in my hand. Now you, you seem like an asshole, in my opinion. The, what, what did you think about well, that? One, Alex Baldwin is an asshole. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think that's pretty much, <laughs> you know, that, that's pretty much a given that Alex ranks right up there with Sean Penn and a few others that are on that asshole totem pole. Um, but... Yeah, like, look, as an actor, there's different schools. You have your method actors. You have your theory actors. You have your guys who can just seamlessly jump into a role. Ryan Reynolds, for example, can just walk onto a set and be anything you want him to be. Um, But here's the thing. What I respect about Ryan, what I respect about Kanye and a few others is when they've taken on those roles, they've gotten actual training with those weapons yeah. to understand how they work and the seriousness of them. Most of the action stars, Bruce Willis and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and, and Jason Statham and those guys all have deep knowledge of weapons and how they work. Um, Alex Baldwin and Sean Penn are two actors who will scream to the top of the mountains about the dangers of guns, but then turn around and make movies about <laughs> guns with no working knowledge Thank of them. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you know, you. <laughs> like, dude, if you're going to, fucking use guns at least take a little bit of time there are endless people in hollywood that can train you very easily the same way they trained uh ralph macchio to play the karate kid the same way they trained ralph macchio for crossroads to play the guitar there are always okay um paris hilton's got a cooking show <laughs> why so I'm like, God had to teach that woman how to cook. Paris has a cooking show. You'll love this. I don't know if you've seen it. Paris has a cooking show. What is the first thing they make on the cooking show? Rice Krispie treats. God damn it. <laughs> Not a cooking show. She's like, when I spend time in the kitchen, bitch, you know goddamn well you don't spend no time in the kitchen. You don't even okay. know where it is in your own house. <laughs> and nobody believes for one second. You don't eat Rice Krispie Squares. time in the kitchen. And you're not eating Rice Krispie Squares. <laughs> yeah. And then what makes it worse is she invites Kim Kardashian over and they're going to cook together. 
Really? Like, Kim spends time in the kitchen either. Kanye probably cooks more than Kim does, okay? <laughs> Come on, man. Like, nobody believes Kim and, and Paris are on a cooking show. Not at all. Not you know, at all. Not one I mean, little bit. Come on, bit. man. You know, that's like, that's like, that's like putting Juicy Smollett on goddamn Yellowstone. <laughs> okay? Smollett. You know? It's like, it's like when they first, when, uh, when they made Alpha Dog and had Justin Timberlake play the gangster. Come on, is anybody really buying Justin Timberlake as the gangster? Okay? And come on, let's be honest. Oh. Ain't nobody buying that, you know? I mean, fuck, you think you're white boy Rick all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? You get, you get fucking Chris Brown on a song, and all of a sudden your ass is white boy Rick. You exactly, know? Like, right? Like, fuck out of here, man. Like, come on, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's the the craziest thing, like you're saying with Hollywood, it's like they all try to like make themselves to to be these things that everybody looks at, and it's 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 all a facade, it's all a mask, it's it really is. These people, like just how like everyone flipped out when they were like, "What Ellen isn't a nice person? No, Ellen's not a nice person. <laughs> why would you Ooh. think she, Ellen? Oh, like why would you yeah. think Ellen is a nice person? Ellen is a rich person. She doesn't care you know about you know your people. Weird? You know what's weird? Some of the people that you think are the nicest are total scumbags. And then some of the people that you think would be the meanest are some of the coolest down-to-earth people you ever meet. Absolutely. Perfect Absolutely. example. I had the honor of meeting Ice-T. Oh, shit. <laughs> I went into that scared because I thought, this is Ice-T, man. I thought, you know, he's going to be the G. He's one of the coolest dudes I've ever had the honor of talking to. Educated like a motherfucker, man, and really a super, super nice guy. You know, um, I opened, one of my old bands opened for King Diamond. For those of you that don't know who King Diamond is, you know, look him up. You'll understand. Um, I thought King Diamond was going to be this crazy, satanic, yada, yada that he is. Uh, he comes into our dressing room. He's carrying this small little puppy. And he's talking to us. Just the gentlest guy you ever <laughs> met. And I was like, wait. The fuck, man! Like, here's this guy who has made his entire metal career as the Satanist metal guy. You know, the cross on his face and face paint. He walks in holding this tiny little puppy, just loving on the puppy. And, and <laughs> huh? Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> you know, I'm thinking he's gonna sacrifice the dog or something. You know, and no, he's just super, super nice guy. You know, and yeah, so no, you never know. No, I, and again, going back to what I said, you don't know until you sit down with people. Absolutely. Who they truly are, you know, so never be scared. Never, ever be scared to, to step outside your comfort zone and, you know. No, and um, that's, I, I'm glad you bring that up because, like, that is really at the at the core of this, the sole purpose yeah. of me even doing a podcast is, yeah. I, I've again, like I said, and people have heard me say this over and over again. Um, I've gained so much from meeting the people that I've gotten a chance to meet and having the conversation that I've had, just people sharing their stories. And like, hopefully like 
maybe somebody gets something from this or maybe no one gets anything from this except for me. Um, and, and that's enough, you know, uh, I do appreciate every one of you out there listening and subscribing and downloading yeah. and telling your friends and family about it and also buying the merch, uh, link will be in the description, pick that up. Um, but that's what it's, it's really about is yeah. having connections. Um, I yeah. think it, again, it comes easy for me or easier for me as like I was a overweight kid, didn't really think too much of myself. Um, so I gained a sense of humor crack jokes, get them before they get me type of mentality, yep. uh, create a personality, yep. uh, you know, to, so people wouldn't really look at me. They just like, look at what I can offer, you know? So I, yep. I, 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 I brought that to the table and I've always been into just meeting different people. You know, some of my closest yep. friends growing up aren't, don't look like me, you know? Yep. And, and that's the thing I appreciate, you know, uh, my best friend my first real best friend uh was a kid named theo who was a skater you know wasn't a good skater he was a chunky boy like me we were both chunky kids right. he wasn't he couldn't really skate but he he was a skater <laughs> at heart he yeah. was a skater uh and 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 we had the, the greatest friendship you know and we came from two completely different you know yeah. backgrounds but we were friends and really good friends so, yep. and that, and that's what all this is about. It's like, get, if you've only lived where you are and you can say, yeah, my mom and dad grew up here and their parents grew up here, you need to move like immediately, like quit your job, you know, sell the house, break the lease and go. <laughs> Not even, you know what? You don't even got to go as far as move, just travel. Yeah. Travel is... I spent I spent a year in Brazil uh, studying MMA with the Gracies, uh, living in Rio. Wow! So I, I got that experience. I've spent many many summers in the Philippines. My uncle owns uh, or owned a scuba resort, uh, so I spent a lot of summers there. Uh, he also owned after he sold the one in the Philippines, they bought one in the Cayman Islands. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the Grand Caymans and in Montego. Um, over in Jamaica, going back and forth. Um, I have been very fortunate to see the world, see parts of the world that people don't understand. Okay, when when you think you have it bad in America, I promise you, you don't. Our homeless people are better off than in some of the places I've seen. Okay, you want to have your eyes opened? Get on a plane, fly to Rio, and walk through the flavellas. Yeah. I promise you, you will never be the same. Walk through the ghettos of Kingston, Jamaica. You will never be the same. To meet those people and talk to them who have live in houses that are barely standing. That's real. But they will give you the food off their table like you like they've known you their whole life. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. That's, and and that is like an amazing thing in itself. Like I've noticed the people that have the least seem to want to give the most. You know Always. what I mean? Um, Always. Because they, they, they have this innate feeling in them 
which I believe, I, I don't know, I'm not speaking, this is just a feeling that I have. Exactly. You know, they know what it is to go without. Yes. And if they have something that they feel can improve someone else's situation, even yes. if it, it costs them, they're still willing to give themselves to do that. And, that. and that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's something that people need to actually think about. Like, how yeah. about, stop, feel, you know, trying to, you know, boost whatever size you're on. Just be a decent person. Yeah. How about we just start there? Like, it doesn't it's matter if you're hard. red, you're blue. No, just be a decent person. And I promise you, you'll feel better from just that alone. Get off Twitter, get off Facebook, get off CNN, get off Fox, get off MSNBC. Just go outside in your own place that you live in and, and just be better to the people around you. Yeah. And understand that even if you're online, your viewpoint is not the only valid viewpoint. Look, I get it. I don't like Eminem. I'm not saying you don't have to not like Eminem. You like Eminem? Awesome. You go over there and you listen to Eminem. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to listen to Vinnie Paz. I'm going to listen to who I consider the greatest hip-hop artist of all time, which is KSR1. Whoa, boogie down. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'll tell you right now, my top 10 uh, hip-hop. Yeah, let's list. do this. Top, all right, let's do this right now. Your top 10 hip-hop artists all time. Let's go. By right, CJ Plain. Top 10. Hold on one second. Let me open this up because uh, my list is actually I got I got my buddy's list that I did it with. Um, I'm very curious. Let's see what let's see what his top ten is, and I, and I I I and I will critique. <laughs> All right, real quick running down. Uh, these are people that I considered for my top ten. Uh, didn't quite make my list, uh, but they were at least in my mind. Uh, that includes Ice T, R A, the Rugged Man, Ice Cube, Red Man, LL Cool J, uh, Rakim, Scarface, Buster Rhymes, Kendrick Lamar, DMX, Little Wayne, Big Boy, and Ludacris. Uh, they did not make my list, but they were in my list, or okay. they were you okay. know those in are big, Those are some big names that didn't make the list. So number ten for me, uh, somebody who I think a lot of people know, but simply don't appreciate how much this guy really does or can do. Uh, number ten is Tech Nine. Okay, all right, all right, Tech Nine. I, I know a lot of people get down with Tech. Yeah, number nine for me, uh, greatest female hip hop artist of all time, uh, the Queen uh, Latifah. Uh, you got to put Latifah in there. Respect. Respect. That, that's my girl. Respect. Like I, I tell you right now, I I'd marry Latifah in a fucking heartbeat. I know she probably <laughs> would never have me, but um, you know, you you want my epitome of a total complete woman? It's Latifah. You know, is she to the queen? Humor, smart, educated. Stri- I mean, just everything about Latifah, man, is what you want. Uh, ladies heart. first. Ladies first. Uh, yeah. Well, either way, uh, number eight. A name that um, true hip hop heads we're gonna say absolutely most mainstream hip hop artists are gonna say who um, number eight for me is MF Doom. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. MF Doom makes the list. Let's go. Um, number seven is Snoop Dogg. All right, um, not knocking it. Number six, we talked about earlier, a cannabis. Uh, I love cannabis. I love what cannabis does. I think cannabis would be higher on a lot of people's list if he would shut up sometimes and not trip over <laughs> his own dick. Um, 
Number five for me is Method Man. Method is another one that I don't think enough people truly appreciate. No, no absolutely. I will, I will agree with you on that. And I'm glad to see yeah. he made your top five list. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, number four for me is Nas. Okay. Um, number three for me, more sentimental to me than a lot of people, uh, but for his entire catalog of everything he does. Uh, number three for me is Vinnie Paz. All right, um, all right. Yeah. Vinnie, you know, his solo, he has Army of the Pharaohs, Jedi Mind Tricks. Uh, there's work with the demigods, work with snow goons. Um, All you, you hip-hop heads who say you're a hip-hop head, if you don't know who Vinnie Paz is, you need yeah. right now. Box cutter, stop. Box cutter Pazzy. Go. <laughs> exactly. Go YouTube, Vinnie Paz, listen, then come yeah. back. And then you'll understand why Vinnie Paz is on his list. Yes. Uh, number two for me, um, I don't necessarily consider him the greatest lyricist of, of all time, but I think total package-wise, what he brought to the table uh, is Tupac. Okay. Um, Not going to knock and it. Then number one, KSR1, just because he's, he's, you know, he's a teacher, man. I mean, he's, yeah. you know. Um, and, and KSR1, also, I was introduced to his music around the same time as the Malcolm X thing. Okay. So it has a little bit of added weight because of that. And I've learned a lot from that. Now, I did not have Biggie on my list. Because, same reason, pun wasn't there. Great rappers, amazing lyricists. What they did during their time is unmistakable. But... They only really did like two CDs. Okay. And can you really consider them the greatest of all time based on that thing? It's kind of like saying you had this amazing running back. He only plays two seasons. Can you really consider him the greatest running back of all time based on only two seasons? Second time today I had a running back um, used as a descriptor. <laughs> no, so... Again, for those of you who are going to say, you didn't put Biggie in there, you didn't put Pun in there, uh, you didn't put Big Al in there, that's why, okay? No, I, I definitely forget. can't respect it. It's, it's yeah. one of those things, like, you can really see, like, I, I love all their works, right. but I don't have enough of it. You know, exactly. I don't have a, a, a real catalog. Yeah, like, yeah. you have Life After Death, and then, um, good God, I don't know, Biggie's first album. You have Life After Death um, and Ready to Die. Uh, yes, Ready to Die. You have those two albums, yeah, which are great. They're great. Him, right? right. Source, five mics. Give five mics. Uh, but I only have two. I only have two. Right. Uh, and so I'm not mad at it. The only, no. the only uh, misnomer I would like to put on your list is I got to put Rock Him in the top 10. Rock Him is okay. just. I have I have to move it, and who would I move back? Because you have a really good list. The only I mean, reason look, I, I get I get the Rock Him argument, I really do. Truth be told, and this is going to sound horrible on my part, <laughs> I don't know his music that well. I've never really listened to Rock Him enough to have him register. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. I'm not. Saying he's not, because obviously, if you know Rakim and where he's from, 
Rakim is kind of the flip side of KSR one. Yeah. You yeah, know, you, you go back and forth. And, and if you look at Dante's list at number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, I mean, we went, I mean, he, we went back and forth and it, some hard hitting, you know, uh, he had twisted DMX, Rods, Kaz, Method Man, Scarface, Jay-Z, Biggie, Nas, Tupac, and Rakim on his. So, you know, we were, we were, I take this shit seriously. I really do, man. I mean, I don't just throw names out there for the sake of throwing names out there or to get. Ah, no Jay-Z. You know, no Jay-Z on there, on either list. Um, actually he had number five. He had Jay-Z at number okay, five. Okay, okay. All right. Um, and Jay-Z is another one. For me, I've listened to some Jay-Z, but he's really not a mainstay for me. Um, Drake is not a mainstay. Kanye is not a mainstay. I'm, I'm, re- I, as a hip hop fan, one, I love underground stuff, but I love stuff that has massive impact. I love a great punchline. I love somebody who's really deep, diabolic, apathy, Chris Webby. I love Webby because Webby says outrageous shit. Um, I love Hobson, uh, Mercules, um, somebody who's current. Everybody knows this guy without even realizing they know this guy because of TikTok. I will say this. All y'all people on TikTok right now with your bing bong and that type of shit. Check out NEMS, N-E-M-S. NEMS is a fucking beast. NEMS is, that's my number one CD of this year. He's got a CD called Congo, my number one hip hop record. NEMS, man, if you think NEMS is fucking hilarious in those little street things he's doing, I'm telling you, man, NEMS, a fucking monster, okay? This dude doesn't give a shit. He is the biggest shit talker <laughs> in the history of man. Okay. Like he says shit. And a lot of people say shit just to be controversial. Nem says that he just doesn't care. You know, he's like, you know, he, he's got his own brand his F Y R F Y L brand, which stands for fuck your life. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, the dude just is crazy. And his, skill is even better like he really is you know i mean he's he's an amazing rap artist a brilliant lyricist he can do shit that's really deep or he can do shit like bing bong which is just fucking (laughs) hilarious as hell you know right um so as nems would say himself you ain't listening to my shit Fuck your life, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh. And what's, what's funny, dude, is his full time job. He still works full time. He's got his clothing line, which he makes six digits a year off his clothing line. He'll tell you they make about one hundred and forty grand a year off his clothing line, and he still works as a goddamn garbage man for New York City. <laughs> you know. So Nams is he's hustling, man. Like, this motherfucker working as a garbage man got his clothing line. He's doing the street side. Uh, little video things on TikTok and shit and on YouTube. Then he's turning around. He's got a, his rap career. Come on, man. How many rappers are out there fucking working that goddamn hard? You know? Exactly. So I, 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 I love Nems. Nems is my favorite rapper right now just because of the shit that he talks. I think it's a lost art. 
you know, I think it, a lot of people don't realize in the promotion game yeah. that as long as you can back it up. That's the thing. It's like, do that, it. it's, it's a hustle you know, game. Like, oh, look, man. I guarantee you nobody's going to walk up to Nems and talk shit to Nems' face. Nems is a big old ass Irish Puerto Rican dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not as big as what Pun was, but he's, he's up there. I mean, he's, He's kind of like a smaller version of Pun, and Nems makes it known, like, he runs with Gooch. He served 10 years in prison for stabbing a motherfucker, slashing his face. So he's a real-life... Putting that work. Yeah, like, he's a real-life goon, man, (laughs) and he acts like a goon. This motherfucker did a rap battle, and it's on YouTube. I can't remember who it was. I think it was just Ice or something. Uh, He battled him. He made that motherfucker cry. Like, physically (laughs) cry. Like, Yo. when was the last time you seen a rap battle where a motherfucker made a dude cry? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's bars, dude. Straight that up. is like a moment, Biggie, take your soul away from you. So yeah, like, it's, just, it's like, I love Nems, dude. Nems is one of my favorite, but, you know, there's, like, there's so many others. That there's, you could really go on forever of, you know, oh. of why you like them. Zarface, for example, are, you know, they worked with MF Doom a lot, and Zarface is a group. Um, not part of Wu Tang, but loosely attached with Wu Tang because yeah. they got Ghost Faced in yep. there and and whatnot, you know. And those guys are amazing. You have um, there's just so many, man. I mean, you could really uh, CJ, like, like I said, so this is like been like super enjoyable. Like we could keep keep doing this like forever and ever. Like yeah. I've I've had a blast. Like perfect place like to finish up for some homework for you people. Go check out who we're talking about, go look at this stuff. Uh, and definitely check out CJ's podcast, no, Noise Report. You're definitely going to want to do that. So, yeah. like, where can, people, where can people find you at? Like, go ahead, plug your stuff. Um, easiest way to find me, truthfully, <laughs> if you want to hear the live radio stuff that I've done in the past, uh, you can look on Mixcloud, or you can just type in the music god, uh, CJ Plain. Um, my website is riot on the set media dot rocks, R O C K S. Um, you'll know it. It's green background. Got a big dude, go to big ass Molotov cocktail, getting ready to throw it. Um, and, um, I'm all the typical places, Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Um, like I said, more, more episodes of the ish list are going up. Those are going to be fun. Those are the, those are the ones where I get to just talk trash and, and whatnot. Noise reports a little bit more serious. It's like this. We can be funny one minute, serious one minute. Um, did an interview last night where I got to talk to uh, Cindy Mitchum Asbill, uh, which is the daughter of John Mitchum and uh, niece of Robert Mitchum. If the old time movies, if you've ever seen the dirty Harry movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dirty Harry's partner. Uh, the one who's, Dirty or uh, the guy who is Harry's partner in the Dirty Harry films um, is John Mitchum, okay. his daughter. Um, John was in 800 TV episodes and 60 movies uh, during his life. Um, so we discussed all the old movies. We discussed Clint Eastwood and John Wayne, and you know, took a little bit more serious tone. Um, but I've talked to comedians. Uh, I've had people on there where we talked about weed and legalization of weed in. You know, spent most of the episode talking about Cheech and Chong. So, um, <laughs> so you got it all, bro. You got it yeah, all, like, dude. I would talk to anybody about anything. I just, 
I love talking to people. I love having fun. I love laughing. Um, you know, if you want another fun episode ish list, we just put up my the top ten comedians of all time, stand up comedians. Oh, okay, a whole list of names <laughs> on there and why we thought, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, I got people on my list again that most people won't think of that they really should know. Thea Vidal, for example. If you don't know who Thea Vidal is, same reason you should be looking up Latifah. If I couldn't marry Latifah, Thea would be the woman that I'd want to marry. That's a funny, funny, funny ass woman. That so, is what is up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hey. it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. All right, people. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, CJ, for spending the time here on the No Room Talk podcast. We do this each and every week, except for the week that I don't put them up. And I know that you love this. Thank you so much. Uh, remember, check it out. Uh, merch. We're getting those new Boxman logo tees. So I know you guys want those. And I'll be back again. So, again, CJ, thank you so much, bro. Yeah. No, it's, it's no problem, brother. It's really not, man. Anytime you want to do this again, and uh, I'm going to hit you up, come on my show. Cause, uh, hey, I got absolutely. A, I, got, I got an ish list. With your name written all over it. <laughs> that we, is we, we, won't walk, we won't talk mad shit on that one. All right. That's what's up. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining me here on the No Room to Talk podcast. And I'm out.